the moment of truth. What the heck hey is there, Aaron going to say? I know. This is the worst part about it because it's confusing. It's hard to know what the right energy level is going to be. You want to be high. Okay. Welcome back, everybody. Higher, it's 2020 higher. Northridge Podcast. Thank you guys for tuning in, tuning in with your radio that you have to use to tune in to a podcast because that's the verb that's necessary is tuning. You tune your guitar? I don't think that's the same as tuning a radio. I is that why tuning? Is that why it's called tuning in? I think nowadays you skip your radio. There's no like tuning turn. Yeah, I definitely. Anymore. It's like defi- skip. It's like All a I will digital also, button. I will skip also it. say there are not two people less qualified to discuss how radios work than you and I. Okay, we have a we have a guest with us today. Matt, Matt. Snyder is helping us to record this podcast. And Praise he, the Lord. And he was so <laughs> mad when we were just discussing that. His eyes were indicating that we were not correct in any of the words we were using. So, By the way, Matt has one of the best beards on staff. At Northridge. I don't know that you could even say that there's competition. Who else is com- competing with him right now? Who else has a beard? I don't think I don't think anybody else has a beard. I, I mean, so you're downgrading his I beard am, is what I, you did. I'm trying to compliment the guy and you're like, oh, no one else no, has a beard. I'm saying that you Feel think good what, mad about that? You awesome. think what you have He's is a laughing beard and I'm saying folks. it's just not a beard. <laughs> I think it's awesome, Matt. <laughs> Your campus pastor doesn't. Well, I think it's great. I just don't think it has it. None can compare. How about that? Because <laughs> I don't have a beard. Okay. We are, Matt's helping because uh, Connor's not with us today, and it would have been a bad idea for us to try to do this by ourselves. For the record, Connor is still with us. Okay. He hasn't died. He's just <laughs> taking a vacation. So yes. good for you, Connor. Yes. And uh, we, we need help on the technology side. I tried. Actually, the reason this is coming out the day that it's coming out and not earlier is because we actually tried to record it, just the two of us. And we got exactly zero minutes into it. We couldn't even download the software, (laughs) folks. This is how bad it is. Take it easy, okay? I tried. But Matt is helping us, which is great. If you don't know Matt, Matt is the services director at the Henrietta campus. So he oversees everything in the auditorium, tells me what to say, says what music we're going to do, and makes it all happen. And it all goes great, except for when the movie theater decides to play (laughs) a movie over our service, which happened this weekend. Nothing we can do about that. God works in mysterious ways. <laughs> Drew, you never looked so good. <laughs> <laughs> it's not funny. I thought it was. Okay. So we're, this is 2020, and this episode is actually going to be a little bit different. We, you know, we're talking about how we wanted to unveil everything with what's coming and all the decisions that we've made related to the <laughs> name moving forward and all that kind of stuff. Um, but there was so much from Sunday. Honestly, I feel like we just need to spend this entire time focusing on what questions did people submit and, um, what things do we need to cover from all the vision of 2020 that, uh, drew unveiled from this weekend. So lots to go over. And by the way, clever 2020 vision, you're the, probably the first person to use that in, in all of our entire culture. Nobody's ever done that in 2020. I mean, I'm a genius. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. It's definitely not every graduating class's motto it in 2020. <laughs> and uh, you're going to see so many glasses with like clearer vision 2020. Oh, no. I'm doubt. blind in one eye. So 2020 <laughs> is long gone for me. <laughs> it's never been a thing. Never been a thing. Okay. So I have a, I have a lot of things that I personally want to ask you about Sunday's message. I think one thing we could do is, ah, no, shoot, dude, I got to hear about your Christmas first. I got you. Okay. I don't even want to hear about the good things from your Christmas because I'm sure there was plenty of like cozy watchings of Frozen 2 with hot cocoa and like lots of Christmas trees. Tell me the worst thing about your Christmas, but don't get in trouble with your wife. Just tell me the best, the worst thing about Christmas that you're allowed to share. 
Yeah, so I would say the worst thing is actually Christmas isn't over for me. Um, and what I mean by mm. that is uh, we still haven't gotten together with Ashley's parents. And so I think what's w- worse for me is like I know that there's presents still out there for me that I haven't put my hands on. I know that sounds terrible, <laughs> it um, but it's hard. I love Christmas and I love giving and receiving gifts. And so I want to give the gifts that I you know, okay, did, you're you know. turning this into no, I, you, <laughs> Nice try, nice try. Okay, no. you're right. I know there's going to be a decent, <laughs> a decent gift for me. My wife hasn't told. It's the one surprise. Like I, with my family, I know what my mom's getting me. Uh-huh. With Ashley's family, she usually gives them gifts to get me. And mm-hmm. Ashley's like, you know, I feel like I gave him a good gift this year, and I do not know what it is. And so I'm like <laughs> dying to know, like, what is that gift? And so what kind of a life is a person living where the worst thing about their Christmas is that they haven't gotten all of their gifts yet? <laughs> That's awesome. I feel like for any child, that would be very difficult. And, you know, you have I'm childlike, childlike Christmas. That's right. Okay, oh, Mr. My Christmas was so horrible. What no. was yours? <laughs> I'm not saying mine was horrible. I just didn't expect yours to be that I have more gifts still to get. <laughs> Oh, okay. Um, the worst thing about my Christmas was that Grayson decided that 4 a.m. is the new 8 a.m. And so every day that we were up in New Hampshire with Lauren's family, he was awake at 4 a.m. And he would just kind of like, he would yell out and I would go in there and kind of lay down with and him. And you being the loving husband that you are, I'm sure got up every time at 4 a.m., correct? Actually, I, I am more on the 4 a.m. shift. The like, the middle of the night stuff is usually Lauren and... She's pretty focused on Lincoln right now. So basically everything Grayson, I'm, I've tried to be as helpful as I can with that. But anyway, 4 a.m., I go in, and I'm, talking to, I'm trying to like talk this kid back to sleep. Like, buddy, it's the middle of the night. And he's just like, I'm all done sleeping. Can we go downstairs? <laughs> and I was like, Grayson, it's the middle of the night. What's buddy. Grayson's favorite song? Like, what's the song that relaxes oh, dude, him right most? now, it's My Bonnie Lies Over the Ocean. Could you, I don't know what song that is, because you give me a little excerpt of no, that. No, I, I think I'm going to pass on it, but it does start with a major sixth, if you're wondering. Like, so the first, if you're ever wondering, like, you need to sight sing, you need a major sixth. So six, major six, is bonnie. that like a lieutenant in the army? Ma- yes, oh, okay. yes, it is Perfect. exactly I, like a lieutenant. Got it. Yeah, and a Sweet. corporal. I crushed that. And a, um, and a general. I don't know anything about ranking, but so that's, he was up early every day. So basically we'd go downstairs. I would try to entertain him. If I couldn't, I would put on a show and let him watch TV show while I slept. (laughs) And then it would be like a reasonable time and the rest of the house would wake up and I'd go back and go to sleep. So that wasn't awesome, but the rest of it was really great. Lauren's brother is really funny and put a massive like hundred foot long, 50 foot wide ice rink in his backyard. So we got to ice skate. That's pretty cool. And he has a hot tub. So we would ice skate and then get in the hot tub. Pretty cool. So that was the worst part of your Christmas. That was not the worst. And getting in a hot tub. (laughs) That Mm -hmm. was not the worst. worst, Almost almost as bad as not getting presents. (laughs) Yeah. We live pretty good lives. Okay. Let's talk about Sunday. So you you walked through three big questions that you've been working through for this year. I want to go through each of those. I want to get a bunch of details from you about that. We had some good questions submitted about individual things that I'll kind of bring up as we go. So I literally want to like walk through your sermon outline and just hear you talk. So First of all, you said the, the question was related to our mission. Um, and how do you talked about how we need to like light a fire for pi squared and get better at better. So walk me through what you think that might look like for us, those two things in 2020. So, you know, living pi squared or, or putting a f- fire under my heart for people far from God, I, I think that's just practically seeing the need of the gospel in, in our city. You know, I think we, we share this stat all the time, 95% of, or close to 95% of our area doesn't attend a gospel believing church. And I think practically letting that break your heart, Mm -hmm. like waking up 
every day with the urgency that, man, this is a, this is a eternity on the line at stake and, and this matters. And so inviting people, loving people, investing in people. And, and at, first and foremost, like praying, you know, I think that's the biggest thing is like pray for opportunities. If we're, if we do that, God will give us to them and being faithful with the ones he gives us, gives us getting better at better is probably the one that I want to talk about a little bit more because I think for me, you know, you only got so much time, but I talked about defining better. And I think this is the biggest piece um, for our church that we have to really get good at is understanding what better truly is yeah. not even just according to me, but according to God's word. Mm-hmm. And it's this two prong recipe, but I think a lot of Christians put better on this pedestal of knowledge, like of the recipe, knowledge trumps everything. If you know about God, you have to be a better Christian. And mm-hmm. I personally believe that God actually puts the priority on living it out more than how much, you know, mm-hmm. and I don't want to say which one is more important, but I think we have to have a balance. It's almost like with more and better, we have to have balance of like reaching people far from God and balance of, you know, growing personally in God. But in that better category, we have to have this balance of, man, I got to know who God is, but I also have to allow that knowledge to change my life. Mm -hmm. And depending on where you are in your spiritual journey, knowing, I think knowing which part of the recipe you have to chase after will truly help you become a better follower of Christ. I think that's huge. As we were walking through even prepping some stuff related to this message, I know we were, we were talking about, we got to get better at better. And, and I remember you being like, but that's the whole thing. What does better even mean? Like yeah. it seems to mean something different to every person. And so that's why I was so glad that you included that in the message because um, if, if we aren't shooting for the same thing, I love that you called it a destination. Sometimes we think of it as, you know, like better it very clearly. It's like, well, it's a deeper sermon or it's a John Piper book, or it's my RC Sproul article that I read. You know, we yeah. think of those as better. That's what better disciples means. And I love that you call it like, it's a destination, but everyone has a different place in that that they need to be working through. And that's, we've always used that language, you know, when it, even when it used to be like our grow pillar or right. grow column, like everyone's in a different place in that journey, but it was almost always related. I think the, the language we use was so often related to knowledge that it just becomes assumed when we're talking about better, we're talking about knowledge. And I love that by including obedience, even including beyond, you talked about beyond being a step of making better disciples, which normally that's like, we think about that as outreach. That's yeah, like missions. helping people. Yeah. yeah, that's missions. But no, really, as we engage with serving our community, that's actually making better disciples, not of those people, of, of us. us. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. like our obedience is intricately tied with making better disciples and there's not a dichotomy there. I almost view it as, if you ever f- flown before, you basically open the like magazine that they have in the back of the seat. Yeah. Like and, the like, sky mall. Yeah. This, yeah. Wow. You know the name. That's I don't know why. Scary. <laughs> I think that's what it's But called. you have the sky mall and like in, in that is like shows all the like flight patterns of all these planes. And I think of like, man, how many, like how many planes in a day come probably not to Rochester many, but like you think <laughs> of, like I used to live in Atlanta, one of yeah. the busiest airports in, in the world. And all these planes are coming from different destinations to the same destination, mm-hmm. all different paths, all, you know, like, all and they can't run planes. into each yeah, other. Sure. And I think that's like a, a beautiful picture of us as Christians becoming better followers of Christ. We all know the destination we want to get fully devoted to God, but mm-hmm. our path to that destination looks different for mm-hmm. all of us. Some of us, it's, man, I got to read my Bible more. I got to be diligent and committed. I got to build the discipline of knowing God. Mm-hmm. But honestly, for a lot of Christians, I, and not that I have to stop that, but I have to look at my life and say, 
what am I out of balance with how much I know versus how much I live? Mm-hmm. And knowing which path to take, I think, is really important in us growing spiritually. I love that. And I also love that you mentioned prayer being a huge part of the process of yep. making more disciples. How many people ended up engaging with the prayer challenge? Yeah, we had uh, 515 people sign up to wow. spend the 20 days in prayer. And I think that's awesome. I think that's huge. And, you know, hopefully those are more than just a check the box. It's mm-hmm. like, hey, I'm every day going to wake up. I mean, it's been challenging for me. I, I prayed, was going to say, come on. That's I a prayed with my me. kids. I, I kind of brought awesome. my kids into this journey. The for great this, idea. Today's day two. And we are we sit, sitting around the like dining room table. We're eating oatmeal. And Ruby Kate's ordering everybody to hold people's hands. Like, you got to hold mommy's hand. And you got, <laughs> we, when we pray, we hold hands as a family. It was hilarious. And so we're kind of bringing our kids in. That's what I call the two minute version of my 20 minute version. If you got 20 minutes out of your kids, I'm going to be so jealous. You're so spiritual. Two minutes is a stretch. Let's be honest. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. It's the two minute prayer challenge. You'll have to figure out those other 18 18, minutes. Yeah, I got 18 on my own. That's right. (laughs) Oh, and by the way, since we're thinking about Sunday, it was just so encouraging to me to jump back in after, you know, the busyness of Christmas and then we were away, but the story of oh uh, Carl and Jennifer, those are their names, right? Um, unbelievable. Yeah. I, I've, sometimes we, I get to see those videos in advance, and this time I chose not to watch any of them in advance. I had heard it was a good story, and I didn't want to watch them in advance. I watched it like kind of live to experience it for the first time in the 9 o'clock service, and I was just like on the verge of tears the whole time. Like, this is so unfair what you're doing to me. And right you're not now. a crier. Like, let's, <laughs> you're not the guy who is emotionally charged in church. Sure. That's and very true. That's, that's a, quite a, a statement there. That line she said, like at the end, she's like, oh man, and not like nothing's impossible with God. Like, yeah. I was just like, or you, the, when that came in, this is like, this is our story. Oh, man. I was like, Oh no, the tears. I was like, Ooh, a fan in my eyes. <laughs> yeah. I didn't fan my eyes cause I'm a man, but uh, I just no. actually fans. Cause I think people could see me fanning. <laughs> okay. no, you, I was, and then regroup was Sunday night too. So that's our community group leader training event that we do twice a year. And that's always a bunch of fun to have the core of our church. Those who are really shepherding and pastoring on the front lines yeah. have hundreds of people all together. We got to eat some Panera and um, have a good time together. So that was great. Yeah. I love regroup. It's always a great time to get your core together. Love it. So anyway, that was Sunday and that's more and better in Pi Square. And I'm trying to think of anything, uh, any questions. Um, yeah, I'm sure Pi Square really, it starts in the leadership of our church. It starts with our staff. I know that we have plans to even be trying to get more nitty gritty and practical, even with our staff about that. Like what do we need to do to make sure that kind of like revival starts with us in that sense of making sure we're leading the way. Um, But okay. So that was the first segment. The next question that you were looking to answer, let's see if I can remember. Don't tell me because I want to remember on my own. It was, oh, what does the multi-site expansion look like? Saved by the bell. I know. (laughs) Multi-site expansion. You talked about portable to permanent and then um, launching our next campuses. Future campus launches. Future campuses, yes. Yes. Okay, so anything to say about portable to permanent? What do you mean by that? I mean, I know what you mean. (laughs) What do you mean by that? (laughs) (laughs) But let me explain. (laughs) Email Um, Nate Miller. He'll he'll, he'll answer that question for you. Do you have anything else to say about 780 Salt Road? Any updates there? No, I mean, in, I think, a week or two, we're going to share another uh, update um, for our church via video. We The steel has started to go up. So, you know, you're starting to see the auditorium instead of like the foundation under the ground. Now you're seeing steel go up high and, you know, you're beginning to see the structure, which is always cool to drive by and be like, something is happening over there. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think it's exciting. If you go to our Webster campus, like, Hey man, let's continue to, you know, share on Facebook, you know, tell people, man, my church is building a facility. We we Mm -hmm. really believe God's going to use that in, in awesome ways. So 
Yeah. That's coming. And then the next thing, I think this is where I we got a, some questions emailed in related to future campuses. Cause I know, and it's really, it's related to the name change um, of Aranaquoit to Rochester. Um, but like, what does, as you were talking about future campuses, was that a declaration related specifically to our city campus? What does that mean for the city campus? One person actually, uh, Matt wrote in, not the Matt that's helping us record, different Matt. Awesome question about, he, he was so cool. He's, he actually generated like a, a map of Rochester with a 10 minute drive of each of our campuses and not like a generic circle, like an actual Google said, how, what does a 10 minute drive look like? And like mapped it out in this super detailed way. I was like, wow. And it was, it was pretty incredible. And it was basically like 12.05, the email came in. I was like, he's on it. Um, One question I have for Matt is, were you doing that during my survey map? (laughs) He was. If you're listening, Matt. No doubt. (laughs) Um, So anyway, the the question is just like, do we want one within 10 minutes? Does, would we stop if like, would we, could we get too saturated? And what does this mean for the future of our city campuses? You mentioned the towns of Victor and Fairport and Canandaigua. Is that specific ones we're looking at or yeah, just give us a little more insight there. Yeah. So our generic idea is that we would have a 10 minute campus within a 10 minute, or we would have a 10 minute, a campus within 10 minute drive in the Monroe County. Mm -hmm. Now, again, I say that's generic because in the sense, one thing that doesn't include is population density. So like in our city or even like dividing lines, I think our city is a great example of that is we are, we, I said, Hey, we're going to make this our Rochester campus. Uh, A couple of things about that is one, we're in the city. And so we think that's our first city campus. Let's Mm -hmm. call it what it is. I also want to say, you know, if you are from Arondequoit, what I said on Sunday did not mean we are alienating you out of the Rochester campus. No, what I was saying is we are going to open our arms to a broader context. We're not pushing you out by Mm -hmm. any means. We're actually saying, will you help us in this journey? Will you Mm -hmm. team up with us to open our arms to our entire community that Mm -hmm. we are actually trying to reflect? So, but yes, you know, with the city, we could have multiple campuses really within the city that are, you know, two minute drives from each other because the the population is so heavily there that, you know, you got 250,000 people within like a, you know, a five mile cir- yeah, sure. a circle, you could actually have multiple city campuses. And it, and real related to that drive assumes you drive. Whereas a lot of the population of our city doesn't drive. Yeah, you could walk. And they, they mostly take bus, they mostly walk or public transportation and that kind of thing, which is why neighborhoods become much more relevant inside of the you know, a neighborhood maybe in Penfield doesn't make the same difference that a neighborhood does in another place where walking is more common or public transportation than driving. So when I think when you're, we're saying 10 minute drive, I think 10 minute drive, if I understand properly, is just code for conveniently accessible. Yes. Almost like the Wegmans that you choose to go to. There's probably another Wegmans within a 10 minute drive of your house. There's probably more than one, but you have one that you go to because that's your Wegmans. Right. And dividing lines is so important, especially in a city radius, because we actually, in the research of meeting with other churches, we met with this one church who had multiple city campuses and they moved one campus in the city from like three blocks down the road and lost 400 people because it crossed a dividing line. Wow. And it was like... That was in Philly, right? Yes, I believe so. And it was it was like, wow, we, we just got to be very wise with where we put things and how we do that. But, you know, right as of right now, we don't necessarily have any 
campus that we're saying this is our next campus location. Mm-hmm. What we do is as we grow, we like I said on Sunday, we look for people. We look, hey, where are a group of people, whether that's in our city, whether that's in Victor or Fairport, we, we're not sure what that's going to look like, especially mm-hmm. with the, you know, the por- permanent campus in Webster. Is right. that going to mean we're going to go more east because more does people are coming? Does that start to draw people from even further east? Or exactly. Whatever? But we just watch our people and we say, God, where are you, where are you bringing people from? And can we, you know, conveniently help them live by square better? Yeah. And so the, the cities that you've, or towns that you've mentioned are not, I'm sure some people could hear those and be like, oh, I live in Victor. That means you're going to Victor next. And like, yo, we hear you Gates and Shiloh. Like we're not, we're not necessarily saying we're going that way or whatever, but we're just trying to keep an eye on the dots on the map. One person asked, can I see that map? Um, I don't, I think maybe you could. I don't know. I don't know. It's not like we have that posted on the wall at all times. Josh Horn generates that from time to time. I don't know what kind of voodoo he uses to produce it, but it does pop up from time to time. I've seen PDFs of it. I don't know if we could share it or whatever. It's kind of funny to see because sometimes you have to limit the range because there will be like an attender from like Colorado (laughs) or something. (laughs) And it's like, uh, I don't think we're going there yet. <laughs> Did you say Colorado? Yeah, that okay. happens. Well, that, like the, the initial map, we have to like zoom it in. Yeah, I mean, I, never mind. I no comment. <laughs> come on, it's true. That happens. People come from all over. <laughs> on vacation to Rochester. It's a huge vacation destination. <laughs> it actually is during the summer. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Okay, so that was the, the question related to what does 10 minutes mean? Why don't we just, if, if the goal is just 10 minute drive, then we could actually just cover Monroe County pretty easily by strategically placing them 10 minutes apart from each other. And that's not a bad idea. And in fact, we're not saying we wouldn't it's do that. It's part of the strategy. But the goal is just conveniently accessible for every person to live by a square to invite the people that they're close with um, to be a part of that. Then the next question is related to that. Does changing the name of the Irondequoit campus mean that we wouldn't put another campus in the city? You've already answered this, but I just want to make sure that we're super clear on it. What, what does this name change mean for a future city campus launch? I think the biggest thing is we came to this conclusion that we are actually already in the city. And sure. what makes us think we can launch a city campus in another part of the city and reach the city better when we're already here. Why not Mm. use the resources that God has already given us, knowing where we are and saying, okay, let's try to reach our city already in the city. And as God continues to use this location, it will prime us and get us ready as people come from the city across dividing lines or in different areas that leverages us to say, oh, in you know, this part of the city or that part of this the city, other we've got other like people coming concept. from neighborhoods that, well, well, we could launch a, a campus there and actually leverage them to grow that area even better. But we just thought, man, we're here. Let's begin to reach our city now so we can reach it even more later. I loved your honesty on Sunday where you talked about census data and where there's a sense in which we've been able to pat ourselves on the back for years about our reflection of the community throughout our campuses. Um, but I've just always noticed this and we've, we've done this on purpose. It's not like we haven't known this dynamic, but whenever we, we do regular dashboards and specifically related to our annual survey where we're trying to get a sense of demographic data in every campus, you know, Webster, it's got you know, whatever year census data and then our campus's data right next to it. And Irondequoit has always had two columns next to it of two different zip codes. And it's amazing. We were like awesome at the Irondequoit zip codes. And then when you went to 14621, the actual zip code of the Irondequoit campus, we were drastically off. Yep. And I think 
it was really cool, kind of humbling and inspiring to hear you talk about the fact that like, look, we recognize that and we're going to take a step towards seeing what it means. Diversity means to reflect our community and we're going to define our community and we're putting a stake in the ground that our address says 14621. Let's own that. Yeah. Like let's, let's try to be good at 14621. And that doesn't mean we're going to not include the 14617. That's right. part of the area that we reach sure. in our Rochester campus, but it's unbalanced. It's yeah. way too unbalanced. And so again, we're not saying we're going all the way this You're not way. Welcome or, yeah. yeah, exactly. We're just trying to balance that. So when we look at both of them, we're like, wow, we're doing a good job in both areas where they are balanced right now. They're not. And I think posturing, like it's a posture thing. Like we're saying there's, a, there's currently a demographic and a group of people south of our Rochester campus who are not as well reflected as the people who live north of it. And so we're choosing an intentional posture to almost like turn and face with open arms in a different direction than we have and strategically say, look, we, we want a different set of people. We want to reach people that we haven't been reaching before. And to the people that we've already reached, we're grateful you're with us. In fact, help us. Yeah. But just know that like, we we those people are already connected to us. We want to see if a little bit of a different posture can begin to push us push right. us in with a different with the people direction. who are already here. We can't do this without you. We mm-hmm. can't. You're a huge part of helping us open our arms to the other side of the community. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that was that's a little bit of a mixture of question two and three um, of what's next, and then the third one was diversity. So, do you have anything else you want to talk about? You said diversity means reflecting our communities, and then you said we needed to clarify our communities. Any of those two subpoints you feel like there's more you wanted to say or questions that you've gotten? Yeah, I think everything, you know, we talked about, you know, city campuses. I think that those are the big questions that we've answered in this podcast. Um, you know, I think diversity is hard because it means I have to sacrifice for the sake of somebody else. Yeah. Um, and that's never fun and it's hard to swallow, but Jesus sets that example for us. Mm-hmm. And man, I, I just want to follow in his footsteps and... I, you know, I'm the first one to admit that's, those are hard things to talk about because Mm -hmm. in our culture today, they're very divisive and I'm not sure anybody really knows where to land. I just want to land in the footsteps of Jesus and Mm -hmm. follow his example of reconciliation. I want to follow in his example of loving somebody like I love myself. And if that means I got to sacrifice a little bit of my preferences to see God reach more people, I'm in. Love that heart. I also appreciate that you talked about the fact that this is not a this is not a 2020 buzzword. This is not a reaction to some article we read in a magazine that made us feel like we should use the word diversity more often. You're using that word because Rochester is diverse. So like we've said, we want to reach our area with the gospel and our gospel. I mean, our, our area represents people who don't always, that don't look the same. They have a lot of different backgrounds. So like, and I also appreciate that you use the example of ASL at the Henrietta campus when I was speaking of diversity. Because, For multiple reasons, right? Well, yes, because you shouted out my campus, of course. But no, I think because diversity, it means race. Of course it does. It means ethnicity, but it also means um, different ableness. You yeah. know what I mean? And so we want to be able to reach different kinds of people of all different types of diversity. And so anyway, I, I thought that that discussion was helpful and clarifying to me. Um, when it allows The nice part about multi-site with that is it allows you to be strategic at each location, yeah. you know, put a specialty like ASL interpretation for our deaf community at Henrietta. There's a concentration there. And so the, why not? Exactly. It, it allows us to zoom in on that community and say, what do they need? And mm-hmm. let's meet that need. Let's go after it. And 
it doesn't have to look the same in Webster. It doesn't have to look the same in Greece or Rochester. You know, we can focus in on what our community needs. So to that point, why the name Rochester Campus? How did we come to that name? Um, were there other options? I mean, I don't know. There's like, how did, how did that happen? Yeah, I think this is the hard part. As an, you know, a church member, you, you sit in a Sunday morning service and you, you hear the change, but you have no clue the agonizing journey to <laughs> the get process, there. Sure. And I think this is what I love about the podcast is you can bring people into that journey. And just to give, I'm not going to walk you through it all, obviously, but this has been, man, I want to say almost a year, six mm-hmm. months journey of debate, of getting people in who live in the city and mm-hmm. asking them, hey, what's the best name? We narrowed it down. We chose, we talked about it some more. We argued, we fought, we tears were took shed. surveys. <laughs> we, we, uh. we did, man, we did our homework. And at the end of the day, we kind of narrowed it down to two names. And really both names were kind of like, wow, we like this one. Oh, we really like this one. Oh, we don't like this one. Oh, we don't like this one. And it was like, okay. They had, but they both had strong pros and cons. Exactly. And you, you know, at the end of the day, you got to make a decision. You got to go with it and you got to say, Hey, we're believing in this. And I feel really good about it mm-hmm. for mostly because we didn't just say, Oh, this sounds good. Let's go with that. Like, mm-hmm. I feel really like it was, we went through the process. We agonized, we prayed, we, mm-hmm. and we just kind of, we're like, this feels right for our church in this season. And, you know, we love change. So who knows? In two, four, six years, it might be, who knows what campus it will be called. And that, you've already said it, but calling you the Rochester campus does not in any way preclude the option of another campus within the city limits, multiple campuses within the city limits. And if it ever became a point where another campus was launched in the city limits and the Rochester campus became confusing, we're totally open to renaming it. Not that we want to be like flippant. Obviously right. there's, there's wisdom in that, but we would be open to, if necessary, changing the name to, to have clarity. But what I, the, the thing that made immediate sense to me when I first, I wasn't, I wasn't really in on a, a lot of those processes. Um, but when the first started, the thing that made immediate sense to me was I just thought we did exactly what the Aronagoy campus did, except for we just named it after the town it's actually in, which is Rochester. Right. <laughs> so all of our campuses are named after the town that they're located in. Um, and that's exactly true of now our Rochester campus. We've just always called it by a town it wasn't in. Mm. So now it's in the town that it's in. And when somebody says like they work for the RPD or the Rochester school system or something, nobody's like, wait, what do you mean by that? It's like, no, we, we recognize that the RPD is centered on the city or that the Rochester school district is there too. So those are terms we use, even though Rochester is a region, we also recognize it's a city. Okay, so that's a lot to think about for what's coming in 2020. Thanks for, you know, I don't know, giving more thoughts and clarifying what you said on Sunday. I'm sure that this in some ways will bring up more questions, and that's perfect because we can continue. I think this conversation is important to be having, and so as people are hearing this podcast and engaging with it, I'm sure we'll be able to, for the next few weeks, as we roll out the new name and all that kind of stuff, I'm sure you want people to be all in on the 2020 vision, so we'll continue to talk about it, but as you think back over 2019, you actually gave some struggles and some tough things for our church. Um, is there anything else for our church that was tough that you want to talk about? Or even what like lessons have you personally learned in 2019 that you want to share? You know, to not, to, uh, 2019, well, let's try, to, let's try that again, right? <laughs> yeah. 2019 was a, was a hard year for me personally. And, you know, just dealing through some of the challenges that we faced. And, you know, when I look back, I think I learned two major things. 
And I, I think they've really impacted me as a leader. I think the first one I, I kind of talked about um, at Regroup a little bit. And, you know, shout out to all of our community group leaders. You guys are awesome. And I, I love you guys. Mm. And I just talked about trust. Like one of the most important things a leader can have is trust from his followers, trust from the people who are serving alongside of him. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one thing that I've learned is, you know, as you lead an organization, you lead a church or whatever you're leading, trust is so valuable to that leader. And there will be moments for everybody just about where we make a decision, where we do something, I say something, you know, they see something in the church or in the organization that they question, or they're like, ah, I'm not sure about that. Or you feel attention. And I talked a little bit about this on Sunday. When you feel that, that angst, that, oh, I'm not sure about that. I have a question. What it does is it creates a gap. Mm-hmm. And one thing we say on our staff all the time is when you feel that gap, fill it with trust. So like your first step is to fill it with trust. But then, you know, ask questions. I think, man, it, I, I gain trust with people when they do have a problem. They say, hey, I'm not mad about this. I'm not angry. I just, this is what I see. Can mm-hmm. you fill that gap in for me? Or, mm-hmm. hey, I trust you, but I have questions about this. And I think, you know, that earns credibility with a leader as well. And mm-hmm. so it says, hey, I trust you, but I've got questions. And I know you, I trust you enough to answer those questions for me. And so I would, you know, I've learned to one, not be offended by people's questions, but actually embrace them mm-hmm. and be like, man, th- people aren't trying to like be mad or whatever. They're just sure. saying, hey, like, help me fill this gap because sure. I'm trusting you right now, but mm-hmm. the longer this gap is empty, I'm having a hard time trusting yeah. you. Yeah. I think the second thing I've learned, and this is really personal, personal leadership is I think as a, you know, any kind of pastor, but I think speci- specifically as a lead pastor, I can often ride the highs and lows of ministry. When things are good, you feel good. And when things are bad or, you know, not as what you wanted, you, you feel bad. And I, we say this, you know, growth is in God's hand. Every pastor, Apollos watered, you know, Mm, Paul planted, but God made it grow. And we say those things, but we have to truly believe those things. That growth of any organization, any church really is in the hands of God. Mm -hmm. We have to do what we can. I'm not voiding any responsibility of my job or our staff's job. But at the end of the day, this is God's church. And he said he would build it. Not any pastor, not any person mm-hmm. other than Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just learning what that looks like as a leader. You know, as, as we navigate through every, every ministry experiences, highs and lows, ups and downs, and just trying to be steady in who God created me to be, be steady in what I'm called to do and trust God. Again, here comes back to that trust, people trusting a leader and me ultimately trusting God with his church, not mine. Mm-hmm. I'm just slowly learning those lessons throughout ministry. And so I think those are the big things that God kind of instilled in me in 2019 with the theme of trust God first and earn trust from people. Mm. Thanks for modeling authenticity for us there and walking vulnerably through what you're, you know, learning and growing through. I appreciate that. I think those are lessons because you're learning them. It's permeating our organization in the same way. I think we're all having to wrestle with those same Um, questions, intentions, and I think they're super, super helpful. So thank you. What are we going to do to wrap it up? Well, guys, welcome to 2020. We're going to begin to, you know, slowly unravel what this podcast is and pour more energy into it, bringing people in to speak into. we got a lot of things kind of planned over the course of the year. Mm -hmm. You know, 
and we're excited to see what God does. Next week, we'll kind of... Un- Next week, we'll begin to uh, like unravel some of those plans. And so we're excited. Thanks for listening. Invite a friend, share it with people. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs>